Welcome back folks to Two Brits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr Intangibles, and a hot bum boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who's found the perils of flat pack furniture, and a man this week who actually used our Twitter account. Well, Everett Human. Will, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing very well, Dan. Very well. I'm feeling um feeling extremely blessed to have conquered that flat pack furniture and contributed in uh, in the world of socials. So what more could you ask for? What more could you ask for? Okay, we better go on something hockey related quickly before Stephen Elliott turns the show off. Let's uh Love I wanna quickly discuss the the Leafs selfie fan. As you sent me a message very quickly after after you saying you'd seen it, saying immediately you thought it was stupid. I thought it was funny the first time I saw it, but I agree the 17 times after that I got annoyed by it, but you didn't seem to enjoy it at all, ever. Why is that? It's just some kid rolling his eyes at his sister taking a selfie. What is there to to enjoy about it? It's fucking 2019, people. Like Fair play is just a kid, and there's nothing... It just... (laughs) The whole thing reeks of, like... Well, there she goes again, taking another selfie. Like, let, let her go take a fucking selfie. If you're if you're that pissed off about it, to behind her back, roll your eyes, and get into a huff over your shitty sports team being shit, just say no. I'm not taking a photo with you, mate. Do you think for one second, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year old you, as a boy, would have had the balls to say to any girl, "No, I'm not doing that"? To, to <laughs> no, your, you wouldn't. To your sister of all people, though, like. <laughs> your sister's not a girl, you know. What I mean, it's different if you're if you're sixteen and you're out on a date. <laughs> that's different, but she's your sister. I don't know, man. The, the girls are unpredictable, dude. You don't know what. You never know what's going to happen. I <laughs> uh, just, I don't know. I'm getting grouchier as the day days go on, Dan. It's like the whole. Um, well, welcome There's... to being an older man. Well, well like, d- this is what you have to look forward to. I know. Like there are so many Twitter memes that just do my absolute swede fortunately i can't remember any of the ones that have done my swede recently but it's getting to that point with oh i'm gonna tell my kids this is so and so like oh great you've got a picture of whatever megan trainer and you're gonna say it's adele that's really really fucking funny the good thing about this was was that it showed how quickly the internet loves something and it just tosses it in the bin as quick because within 12 hours this boy had vanished and then that was it. We'll never probably hear about it ever again. Well, so at least you have that on your side. He's gone missing. No, but you know what I he's mean. Been, he's been abducted. <laughs> yeah. Maybe by you. The internet burns brightly for a few seconds. Oh, mate. Case, and then... case in point, the connection's a little bit bad, so I couldn't really hear you. And uh, I didn't know what you were talking about for a minute until I until I got on down to what you were talking about. So it's oh. al- already so out of touch that it's not... Like, yeah, let, this is our first podcast since it's happened and it's arguably been the biggest thing to happen in the hockey world this week. This made it onto, like, the cover, of, not the cover of ESPN, but, you know, like, this was massive. This this is in the zeitgeist, that gif. Whereas um, TNT doesn't give a shit about Mike Babcock getting fired, do they? That's a fair point, that's a fair point. Thank you very much. Okay. All right. Lots to get on with. Should we get on with the show? We should. Buddy, it is that time of the week. It's the smooth recap. Congratulations to perennial playoff game seven choker Stephen Stamkos, 
who nets his 400th career goal this week. I'm sure this statistic more than makes up for last season. Darcy Kemper was pulling out all the stops for his AEW wrestling audition, hitting Matt Kachuk with a perfectly executed belly-to-back suplex. The new GOAT, trademark, and Mr. Mount Rushmore, trademark, isn't only an amazing player, but he's one tough son of a bitch as well, playing through a sports hernia just to help his team. Sidney Crosby, what a guy. Eric Johnson claimed the referee's inaction over the Matt Calvert incident this week was fucking bullshit, but yet again claimed to be an example of an NHL player not calling out their own for the inactivity of the Vancouver Canucks players who continued to play as Calvert was bleeding from his brain box on the ice. With a new Batman film on the horizon, TJ Oshie should be considered for the role of Mr Freeze as he is 44 for 83 in shootouts in his career. It's the highest shooting percentage of any player in NHL history with at least 60 attempts. Oshie clearly has the ice under his feet and in his veins. For young players it can be quite hard to adjust to the NHL from junior but some players get it quicker than others. Finally, Conor McDavid seems to have worked it out as he has two hat-tricks and a six-point night within the same week. Brad Marchand had himself a night in Toronto in the Hall of Fame game against the Leafs. He set an NHL record by scoring his seventh goal in the opening 15 seconds of a period, and at the end of the game was presented with the Player of the Game trophy. He then takes a victory lap with the trophy, as the Leaf fans get to see something hoisted above the heads for the first time since 1967. Similarly on the subject of incredible players, Zach Ronaldo is back in the NHL, for whatever that's worth. Sexy times ahead in Montreal, as Philippe Deneau scores in literally every sense of the word, as he successfully fucks a puck into the net. Goalies have been given an early leave of absence after Marc-Andre Fleury of the Vegas Golden Knights has, without a doubt, performed the save of the year. And that was your smooth recap. Yeah, shout out to Flower. Oh my god. Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) It reminded me, do you remember that David Seaman save in the FA Cup against Sheffield United? Uh, No, I don't, because whenever someone says David Seaman, you know exactly what I see (laughs) in my head. No, I don't. He's backpedalling, he's waving above his head, <laughs> and then some bucktooth Brazilian is running around in that blue and silver strip with his arms out. I think that's the right. most vivid footballing memory seared into my brain for whatever no reason. That and Freddie Youngberg scoring against Chelsea in 2002, the FA Cup final. <laughs> uh, no, I don't remember that Seaman save. Oh, well, it was essentially that, but for football. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Just a goal all ends up. And I don't know how Flower did that. It was just insane. There, there are so many people trying to... I say so many people. I've seen one person um, trying to disparage it. <laughs> but I said, oh, it was a floater of a shot. Like, the shot wasn't all that. I was like, get to fuck. That save was just magic. Literal have magic. You seen, have you seen the still shot of him stretched out? Yeah, like, like Superman. He's, yeah, he is, I mean, that's how good that save is. That's how much effort went into it, is that he is stretched out literally as far as he can. And that puck is at the end. It's right at the end of his reach. There's nowhere else, I mean, anywhere else that puck is in. Even if it goes a bit further past his reach, it bounces off and goes in. You know, it bounces off his hand and goes in. He's at the actual 
limit he can get and he just snags it. Oh my God. Fantastic. Amazing. Beautiful, beautiful work. Who's winning the cup this week? I'm glad you asked me that because Marc-Andre Fleury is going to win the cup this week. <laughs> for, for his, I'm sure you've seen this floating around in the last few days, uh, the the multi-time murders of Mike Babcock. Have you seen the side-by-sides <laughs> for this? Yeah, 2009 to 2019. <laughs> yeah, 10 years apart, same difference. That beautiful save on Nick Lindstrom and, uh, and the save on Nick Patan. Slightly different consequences from both of those things but arguably of equal magnitude you know like getting fired is probably worse than being a runner-up in the Stanley Cup final similar amount of heartbreak I'd imagine that's a great yeah that's a great choice a great choice I've got a very simple and boring one this week who's winning the cup the best team in NHL is winning the cup and that is the New York Island as well uh, with a 15 game 15 game point streak I'm more up for 11 game point streaks personally yeah, in the, yeah, in right, the harder right, sure. of the two conferences. <laughs> What's amazing about the Islanders is it's. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna see if this is trademarked, but I'm calling it a Lego system. Everyone's just <laughs> plug and go. Like just stick a brick in, it fits. Go off you go. Like I said the other week, they they were missing six forwards at one point. Who cares? And they're still carrying amazing on stuff. Tonight. It's that kind of. Oh, the Islanders. Two scorers tonight were Bert Smithson. Jeremy Trotterson, and you just think, who are these players? Like they're just plugging in these guys, and they seem to fit, and they just know their role, they do their job. And we, I had questions at the start of the season about the goalie. You know, is Valamov going to fit in okay? Yeah, goalies haven't missed a step, still playing fine. The goalie magic is still there. What if they never lose? They probably, they probably will. Yes, I, thank you. I'm, I'm really, I'm really reluctant to say it, but I think we're having to start come around on on the fact that. The Islanders are at the very least an effective team. And I don't know how long is it until it's a fluke. Like one season is just a can just be a fluke, but what, season and a half? If they're still smashing it at the trade deadline, they might actually be a good team. Yeah, I agree. And I think we've I think we've said before, but the uh, the Jack Adams winner is a good coach. Who could have predicted that? Cool, would you would you look at that? There's gotta be an argument for two in a row, no? Yeah, but you know what it's like. Oh. It ends up being one of those things where, well, you can't win it two years in a row because someone else has to have a chance to win it. It'll, so. it'll be Dave Tippett if the Oilers make the playoffs. Uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you he's winning a Jack Adams. Sheldon Keith's winning a Jack Adams. <laughs> when he, uh, will, when the narrative is, when the narrative will. is, it's, when the narrative is on 21st of November 2019, the Leafs were, points percentage-wise, technically the 23rd best team in NHL or something, and then they make the playoffs. <laughs> to be With fair, though, head coach. have you seen those stats of when he took over the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the OHL? We'll talk about this later. <laughs> oh, it's a good good time to get the stat in. Okay, go on then. Go go on on then. Just quickly, so the the Sioux had, uh, I think it was like, they went from like a 46% Corsi to like a 57% Corsi before and after Keith got hired midway through the season with the same roster. So like the the geezer, it would appear, is legit. We'll talk about that later. Well, I'm right. sure I'm sure we will. Relegating yeah. this week, Dan. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna relegate Zach Ronaldo. Oh no, not Zach Ronaldo. <laughs> the Flames for Zach Ronaldo. <laughs> not gonna, it's not Zach Ronaldo's fault. You shit necessarily. I'm gonna I'm gonna gonna relegate the Flames for thinking that Zach Ronaldo can do anything to help them compared to anybody else on their AHL roster. There, there was a fantastic 
fantastic tweet that had you know the sort of play-by-play stuff you get in the nhl app it's part of the box score yeah. where it's like hit, oh, yeah. hit by whoever shot by whoever as a yeah. beautiful little screen cap a minute 47 into the period or whatever it says hit by zach ronaldo on whoever and then 20 seconds later it was goal by the other team ah <laughs> oh, chef's kiss perfect I'm going to relegate the Buffalo Sabres and <laughs> one of their beat writers, Bill Hop, who wrote on Twitter this week, this is going to be the Sabres' eighth loss in nine games. Hard to believe they've fallen so hard so fast after a terrific October. <laughs> Stay with me here for a second, Bill. Is this, is this it, your first year on the job, buddy? Is it? Yeah, is this your first year watching hockey? Because I think, call me crazy here, we may have seen this story before somewhere. I hope this happens forever now. Just forever. <laughs> like the, the Sabres are just incredible in October and then combust. Mate, all these people coming out saying um, Rasmus Darlene shouldn't have been the first overall pick. <laughs> oh, I do, I do love revisionist history. It's the best. Nothing I love more. Isn't that fantastic? God bless them. And the, and the Canucks are coming down to earth and just waiting for the Oilers, really, and then we can all go back to our scheduled programming. Exactly. It is It is like we said before. What's the point till Christmas anyway? Who cares? How many starters and scratches you got? Uh, I've got one starter and two scratches. All right. I've got five starters and one Jesus scratch. fucking Christ. What, how can you be happy about that many things in the world this week? I don't know. It's very troubling for me, especially with, with my, as I've mentioned before, my cold black heart that runs my life, which you're now seemingly inheriting with your <laughs> flat pack disaster and <laughs> yeah, one, your one, hatred of all things memes one flat pack tv unit and uh it's just killed me yeah <laughs> i'll rattle off i'll rattle off three quick ones though I, I do think just before you do i do think that my starter the fact that you've got so many is probably going to end up on your starters because it's just such an incredible thing but crack on and we'll find out okay i'm going to stop the lady in the austin matthews case who's been paid off good for her I hope she got a shit ton of money. Do we know how much money? No idea. But it does lead to me to a question. If you were her, what would you ask for to be paid off? I mean, I do not... I, like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know. It's like if someone asked me to guess how much I don't know, a yacht cost or, or whatever. But I've just got no frame of reference for what would be... What, what you could ask for, like, is... Fifty grand would be good, but is fifty grand lowballing it? Should you should you be asking? Oh, I was going to say I was going to say fifty grand. That's weird. But I, it feels like you should ask for more than that. Yeah, I know. Five hundred grand. That yeah, sounds give me too half a much. million. I don't know. How much was your How much was your bonus again, Austin, on July first? <laughs> give me Give me ten percent of that. I'll do. I'll, I'll walk away, Austin. That's fine. <laughs> um, how How much would you be earning if you were bought out? Austin, I will. Uh, <laughs> I will take that yeah. much. Thank you very if much. If I go hard, if I go really hard on this case, and you have to go to prison, how much would that cost, Austin? <laughs> Let's think about that, shall we? <laughs> As if, anyway, or, or rather, how much would it cost you to fight it and then end up going to pr- and, and not going to prison? Let's settle on that, and you <laughs> yeah. can keep your reputation as well. Yeah, exactly. Two hundred grand, I'll be happy. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. That's a decent number. My second starter is, I don't know if you saw this or not, but in Iraq at the moment, there are clashes between uh, police and anti-government protesters. And the police decided they were bringing in the right squad, tear gas. There was police dogs, all that kind of thing. 
So one of the protesters went back and then turned up later with a lion. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is amazing. A fucking lion. <laughs> yeah, that's just mad. I saw the I saw the picture. I don't know, did, do we know if that lion ended up killing that guy? I don't know. I, I just like the idea of the police on the like on the you know on the on the walkie-talkie. Uh, excuse me, sir. There's a there's a lion here. <laughs> do you reckon they use police horses in Iraq? I don't know. We, I mean, if they, if if people have got lines of pets, maybe they just they don't have police horses. Maybe they have uh, I don't know griffins or something. Griffins. <laughs> Are we the only country that uses police horses still? No, we can't be. Yeah, but we definitely could be though. Yeah, we could. <laughs> you only ever see the horses out for for football, really, don't you? That's true. Maybe police horses is our version of not having guns. So maybe like, yeah, you know, in America or something, it's like, get back, I've got a gun. In our country, it's now, stop this now, boys, I'll get my horse. I'm on a horse, okay, yeah, okay. that's a very, very British way of doing it. Do you, yeah. Do you remember the uh, the Newcastle fan a few years ago, punched a horse? <laughs> punched a horse? <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, if you can find everyone, this is one. Of, this is one of those homework things I sometimes give you. If you can find it, find the Newcastle United fan punching the horse. <laughs> and, and, and just as a disclaimer, like, much like any uh, any film involving animals, no horses were were injured no, yeah. during the punching of this horse. Just that's one. True, that's very true. Fat Geordie with a broken hand. <laughs> and then I'll do what I'll do one more starter, which oh, is I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna go with uh, Josh Rieger. Oh, University no. North Dakota defense. Okay, you didn't have that one. Okay, good. The University of North Dakota defenseman wasn't meant to be playing in a game in Denver. Oh, so yes. instead of going to the game, instead of going to the game with uh, with the rest of his team, him and his friend, who was also not playing, went to a local eatery and ordered a pound of chicken wings. And just as they're tucking in and finishing them off, he gets a call saying, "Actually, we need you. One of the players is ill." So he rushes down there with a pound of chicken wings rummaging around in his tummy. And scores the game winner, and it was his first ever career goal. Great story. Big up to you, Josh. Big up. It's a good way to do it. My, right, what have you got? Uh, my lone scratch, the only sorry starter, the only starter I need this week, Dan. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his last name. Is uh, Joe Malin or Joe Malin? Do you know old Joe? Yeah. Plays for the Harlequins, and uh, he had potentially the most iconic sports interview ever that's been doing rounds on uh, on the old Twitters this last couple of days. Uh, it's beautiful. It's incredible. For anyone who hasn't seen it, you need to need to check it out. He's talking well, about spe- yeah. Speaking of horses, yeah, yeah. Well, that's, that's what I was thinking. It's all worked out perfectly. So he's talking about did they just lose one game or are they on a bit of a skid? Do you know? To be honest, yeah. To be honest, I don't know. Either way, don't know. Don't care. Some bad stuff happened to Harlequins Rugby Football Club, and uh, yes. old Joe felt he needed to uh, to address it. Goes on this rambling. <laughs> absolute rambling anecdote <laughs> about leading a horse to water. <laughs> so it's like, you know, standard sort of stuff. You see, I'm talking about, oh, it needs to be better. You know, it's like you can lead a horse to water and then when that horse gets there, he has to decide whether <laughs> was it whether he wants to be better or whether he wants to whether he wants to drink the water or go for a swim. And he gets yeah. right in and he's... <laughs> it's just absolute rambling nonsense that ends up with the horse going to the Harlequin's home pitch <laughs> and ap- <laughs> apologising to the fans and he does this Irish horse voice <laughs> like an Irish impression with nays mixed in 
<laughs> All with like this straightest face. And then the the after he's done with his babbling, the interviewer asks, Also, oh, how how about you, Joe? Are you gonna get back on that horse? And he says <laughs> <laughs> says, No, I don't like horses. I can't ride. <laughs> Oh, it's amazing. The kiss is a fucking lunatic. Okay, Ron, it's your second it's your second piece of horsehorn work for this week. You've gotta find this. You've got to find this. It's sporting gold. Gold. Oh my god. Like it's one of those things that you appreciate it when you see it, but until you talk to somebody about it until you actually vocalise how ridiculous the thing is it doesn't hit you just how it's like your favourite. It it's like your favourite movie your favourite funny movie <sighs> you just end up quoting it with your mates over and over and over yeah, again and then there are so many lines it. in this interview there's so many lines in it that are just creasing I must have watched it five times already it's so good <laughs> oh mate oh Jesus Christ what, was he okay. was he one of your starters no, no, it wasn't. For shame, Dan, for shame. I know, I know, I'm, t- I'm terrible, I'm terrible. All right, my next starter. Will, quick question. What do the Blackhawks, Blue Jackets, Penguins, Kings, Stars, Islanders, Senators and Ducks have in common? Oh, uh, it's not about streaks, is it? Like seven, I know them. No. No. <sighs> I don't know, I don't know. They're all hockey teams. They've all scored less power play goals than David Pasternak. Oh, so mate, Yes. What is he on, 10 now? Yeah, he's got 10. 10 power play goals alone. How many has he got at 5 and 5? Oh. 17, I think. I think he's on. 17 total. 17 goals so yeah, far. No, no, not, no. Not, yeah, not 10 power play and then 17 even. No, shapes. not another 17. 27 goals, like 20 games into the season. Still 17 goals. Mate, he's... That's it's just that's one of those ones that, as I'm saying it, it probably doesn't seem that crazy, but when you look at it on a list... And shout out to future friend of the show, Dmitry Filipovich, for putting a list. But he tweeted out a list of most power play goals so far this season. That and was it was all beautiful. teams. And you did it. You had to do a double take. Oh, my God, Pasternak's in there, in that list. It was like a magic eye picture. And then he just, and I was like, oh, there he is. Mate, it's absolutely 19 goals in total, that boy has. 19, there we go. Absolutely destroying it, dominating. And my last starter is, I'm gonna, I've got to start my mum. Because Moneypuck released the power score list, which shows an NHL's team's chances of beating an average team on a, on a normal day. And the Penguins were second on the list. And I made a joke that the Pens had done a great job and it used <laughs> more men than my mum after her divorce. <laughs> so, uh, and I got, I got a very good response to it. I got a very good response to it. So even, even in death, the old girl is, is providing the laughs. So uh, thank you, mum. I appreciate it. <laughs> Big up, mum. Pour one out for you. There you go. All right, uh, you've got two scratches, yeah? I do, two two scratches. You've just got the one, haven't you? Indeed, you go first. <sighs> Who do I want to pick first? Uh, I'm going to scratch Brian Burke first. Big old double B, big old Berkey. Um, Interesting. His, uh, his opinions on um, what system a certain team should be playing. Let me just read out the points of his system, the finer points. Dump the puck in. Not a good start there, Brian. <laughs> Four check relentlessly, which is uh, you know fine. That's absolutely fine. Work the puck from low to high. So what he's saying there is get the get the puck in deep and then work it back out to the D men and uh, shoot from distance, hoping the puck hits asses or ankles. 
Firstly, thank you very much to Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey for bringing this to my attention. And secondly, for fuck's sakes, Brian Burke, for fuck's sakes, no, no. <laughs> Especially when he's talking about the Leafs, you've got such a highly skilled team, or basically any team, really. This is this is going to link into a point that I'm going to bring up after my second scratch. Why would you decide to play such a shit brand of hockey that is ineffective? You don't have to do that. The Leafs aren't a team that have to play like that. Arguably, their D, their decor is their weakest point of it. Like Brian Burke's just making himself look like a mug on the international stage. So he gets scratched for it, Dad. Yeah, I can't argue with that. I feel that it's the it's the classic. Well, as maybe Babcock proved, is that the old way is the best way, and there's no other way to do it, and mm. that's it. Yeah, exactly. It's it's almost like these uh these sixty year old men don't have a clue how to play anymore because they haven't been able to fit their skates over there swollen diabetic feet for 20 years <laughs> damn wow that was cutting I, I like that my lone scratch has to be uh, Garnet Hathaway for spitting on Eric Cabranson oh, are we, are we doing more out. on this in a bit or are we, is this it we're doing more on this right now right, right now excellent excellent because I'm going to I'm going to shout out the girls from the Saucy Rockets a hockey podcast they were the first I saw to put up a poll that said, would you rather get put in a fight or would you rather get punched or spit on? So I'm just going to ramble a little bit about this first and then obviously, you know, I'll, I'll let you jump in after. But <laughs> Like scheduled rambling. I'm going to just say some incoherent things loosely related to this topic. Yeah, Starting as now. I like to do on, on this show. I know this is my stupid male brain talking, but if you want to get into a fight with me, that's fine. I think, I think somewhere subconsciously, Deep inside any man's brain, he's kind of aware that at some point he might have to get into a fight, an actual fight with fists. And as as opposed, as opposed to I don't know, like a scuffle or like you know a shoving match or something, a proper fight with your fists. So I think that if I'm aware that that might happen at some point in my life, I accept the fact that maybe at some point in my life one of those fists is going to connect with my face or my gut. And it's going to hurt. I don't know if you've ever been in a fight, Will. I was in a couple of fights back in the day when I was an idiot and I was, you know, drinking and everything. I did, I was very, it was very stupid. It's not a, it is not a bravado thing because afterwards you just think, well, that was fucking stupid. That was really idiotic. And I genuinely, I genuinely can remember two, inca- two occasions where I've been in fight and 10 minutes later, me and the guy who I'd had a fight with were having a beer and laughing about it, saying how stupid it was. You know, like, why do we do that? I, I can't remember now. It was something silly, blah, blah, blah. If you spit on me, all bets are off. That's it. I think spitting on someone is reserved for if they kill your family and then you beat them to death. Then you spit on them. Because it's the... For me, it's just... And I can't explain it. It's definitely a subconscious thing. A man spitting on another man in a fight is so low and the word's not even cheap. It's worse than that. It's not even degrading. It's worse than that. And I'm not, I'm not, oh Christ, I would hope this podcast shows that I'm not a macho, like rah, rah dude. I'm just not. I don't know, you just bragged about having a fight and a beer, so uh, that's pretty uh, pretty macho <laughs> if you ask me. It's like 20 years, 20 years ago. I don't said it was stupid. And you're, and you're still me, riding um... on the coattails of that one fight. <laughs> <laughs> like if I go, if I, if for some reason, I can't, I don't know why, if I for some reason got into a fight with one of my friends, I, I wouldn't. I think I could still come back from that with that friend. But if one of those friends spit at me, that's it. 
I mean, we are we're done forever. I can't really explain it other than what I've just tried to do, but I think it's incredibly low and disgusting. Your your thoughts, Will? So I'm going to counter that with saying I'm I'm Team Hathaway. I think uh, he had no choice. Uh, <laughs> 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 he was he was backed into a corner. No, like it's it's minging, isn't it? Like, <laughs> that's the thing with spitting on someone. It's minging. It's like it's minging as dangerous. Like it is dangerous. Who knows what sort of head cold guy halfway could be uh, dealing with <laughs> that he's now given Eric Branson. It's very selfish of him. All jokes aside, the thing that's perplexed me about the backlash to, especially to the suspensions, he's got three games to spit in, which is oh, it's just not even just saying it, spitting on someone. It's like, mate, come on. That's, I know. Behave yourself. And like everyone's saying, oh, you know, ooh, oh, three games to spit in, but you get one game for a hit to the head or whatever, or like, oh, what about the guy who sucker punched him? Yeah, the the two things aren't mutually exclusive on the bad scale. Like we shouldn't be sucker punching people in the head. We shouldn't be checking people into the boards face first and stuff. Just because player safety and referees have failed to reprimand the other players for for their transgressions on a more physical side doesn't mean that Garnet Halfway should be in any way admonished for spitting on Eric Branson like that. It's heinous behaviour. Heinous behaviour. And and as much as I'm sure people will appreciate, I'm not the biggest fan of the violent side of the game. Body checking and punching are part hockey. Like, spitting is not part of anything. Spitting is absolutely disgusting, no matter who you are, no matter what you're doing, what your gender, race, credence, whatever it might be. Like, do not spit on anybody else. Do not even spit in people's direction. That is just, it's just not on. Not on at all, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah, it's horrendous, and people are absolutely right in the fact that there should have been some other discipline for the awful hit. Who took the hit? Was it Leipzig or Halfway? Whoever it was. Oh, I, think it was Le- I think it was Leipzig, yeah. I want to say, whoever took the hit, whoever, because Gabranson gave the hit, like, Gabranson should have got suspended as well. And, yeah, there should have been, a, you know, discipline for, for the sucker punch, but just because there was a failing in one instance doesn't mean we can't be horrified at the at the behaviour of Garnet Halfway. No, you're and then of course the, you're right though, there is some next level with spitting that is just reprehensible. Yeah, it's next level dirty, like trash. It's trash. It's trash behaviour. What if someone pissed on you? In a In fight. What way? In a fight. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> I'm sure I've, I've, we've both we've both been to Amsterdam, mate. It's uh... <laughs> <laughs> seen way worse than I, that. I feel if someone peed on me in a fight, it's almost impressive, isn't the right word? But there's there, there's a <laughs> no, feat to yeah yeah there there is some skill to to be able to urinate on someone during a fight. Spitting's spitting's no effort. That's the problem with spitting. Anyone can spit. There's no. Do you know what it is? I'm not. Christ Almighty! Is it any wonder women think we're dumb? Is it any wonder women think men are just fucking idiots? We've gone from yeah, I'll take a punch in the face, spitting. You are fucking kidding me. But if you pissed on me, all right, mate, fair play. <laughs> I'm gonna give you like, hats off to you. <laughs> hats off to you, mate. You know, like the guy pissed on me. I mean, what? It's a power move. What can I do? What can you do? <laughs> I feel like it... how has this species ever gone anywhere? Fucking! It's amazing women still look at us as like even like men in general. Fucking hell, <laughs> we're so stupid. The thing with, like, pissing on someone mid-fight, yeah, 
it's a bit it's a bit Charles Bronson isn't it? it's a bit Gigi Allen like in the you know age old thing that like, oh, if you're about to have a fight with someone like just start headbutting the wall and punching the wall or something and they're like come on and just try and like intimidate them off if you're like like Charles Bronson would pee on someone during a fight wouldn't he oh yeah for sure blatantly that's because like, he was a man's man though Will that's true same with Gigi Allen and two of the yeah, most true. ferocious people that have ever walked this earth so if it's good enough for Gigi then it's good enough for me Fucking hell. All right, just quickly, last thing on this. Are you, there was the, obviously the Brad Marchand licking uh, comparison. What are your thoughts on that? It's right, isn't it? It is right. Yeah, it is right. It is right. It's just as bad. It's just as bad licking somebody as it is spitting on somebody. Based. I don't know why, but licking's funnier than spitting, isn't it? Sure, it is. It just is. It's such, but it's, do you know what? I can just imagine players. I can imagine player safety when they watch that Martian video, just all rolling around like creased and laughing, and then they watch that Hathaway stuff like, oh, that's disgusting. That's fucking disgusting. <laughs> Three games. <laughs> so so, because as, as soon as I saw someone make that com- comparison, I was like, ah, oh, fuck, you're absolutely right. But I haven't made that link in my head because I'm still just yeah. <laughs> still just a pea brain Neanderthal. And your last scratch? My, my last scratch is going to be Brandon Prust for relatively similar reasons to uh, to Brian Burke. Brandon Prust was, I say quoted, he put it out on Twitter. I will quote it verbatim. Imagine that at Maple Leafs picked a, an actual hockey GM when they had the chance. They'd be a contender right now with Mark Hunter. Brandon, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Like, I thought you were going to come out with some like wise words then, or no, some tone. Why? Why like, would you? About, mate. Why would you respond to such idiocy with wise words? Like, Carl Dubas is not the problem in Toronto. The construction of that team is not the problem in Toronto, and this entire with Ooh, what? There's a hot take, mate. Ah, oh, okay, okay. Here, all right, here it is. Here it is. No, so, no, 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 no. We can't. We can't. We can't. We've got, we're getting onto it. We're going to get onto it like right after the interview. No, 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 no. I'm not going to not going to necessarily touch on Babcock, but what I texted you about earlier, systems and stuff. Oh yeah, the problem with parity, everyone everyone thinks their kung fu is the best. Yeah, that's what I said to Dan earlier, and what I meant by that was tying into to Brian Burke, Brian Burke, and tying into what Brandon Prost is really saying about why he thinks Mark Hunter would have been a better GM than Carl Dubas is he's alluding to the fact that Dubas has relied too much on skill in the construction of the team, whereas Mark Hunter would have had a team that is more fitting of the Brian Burke model a la toughness over skill. In the Premier League and in football in general, the best teams play a highly skilled game. The 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 equivalent of dump and chase or tough hockey, big body hockey in football is is the long ball. Do you think that's fair to say, Dan? Very fair. To, a, a perfect comparison between the two sports. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you very much. So obviously the long ball is just hoofing it down to your to your large man at the top, who then takes the takes the ball down and tries to get a uh, uh, get a scoring chance from there, thus eliminating the skill part of the game of having to move the ball from your end of the pitch to the other pitch with skill and passing and speed and stuff, just by kicking it really far or dumping it from the red line and then chasing after it. So. The thing with long ball and dump and chase, in the NHL, dump and chase is seen as a, a sort of an acceptable strategy 
buy 200 hockey men because of parity. Whereas in uh, whereas in the Premier League and football at large, the good teams play a skill game, you know, high passing, high you know, high energy, whatever it is, do not default to their equivalent of dump and chase because that's how you get success. Dump and chase, you know, the long ball is used by bad teams because they know they're not good enough to play a skilled game. <sighs> What's the word? It's like bunting in cricket or baseball or something. Like It's a safe option, right, we're going to try and not lose. We're going to play to what strengths we have. Everybody in football wants to be able to play a highly skilled game. Like Skill in football is not a taboo, whereas in hockey, skill is a taboo. And I think the fact that that taboo has been able to be perpetuated is by the parity created by this league. So you get teams that can play dump and chase when they should, which shouldn't be a successful, a successful strategy, and then squeeze into the playoffs, and then getting into the playoffs is automatically some level of success. So it absolutely drives me balmy when people are saying, "Oh, there's too much skill on this team. Yeah, you know, oh, this team isn't tough enough, or whatever." It's moronic, and it's going to keep this sport latched into this barbaric 1950s style of hockey where we still think all due respect to, to Gordie Howe like you know Gordie Howe oh you know playing the game the right way yeah you gotta score a goal and punch a guy in the face or else you're not a good hockey player like it's going to keep this sport back from not only further revenues for the league more fans more diversity within the fan base and a better product as long as we think that toughness is more valuable than skill and that skill is a bad thing to have. Okay, we haven't got time for this, but... <laughs> I do disagree a little bit. <sighs> of course you do. Only a little bit. I, I, do. I, yeah. I agree with you more than I disagree with you. But That'll again, we'll, we, we will, this will end up us going around in circles, and I'm, we're going to save that for a day when there's kind of less news. Maybe in the off-season. Maybe this is an off-season. Put, put this in my um, light bulb file for the off season and we'll discuss why I think you're right but also kind of wrong should, should we just skip but, to the end of that discussion where we're talking about why uh, why Tom Watson and Ryan Reeves why, I was going to say why I think Leon Dreisaitl is a better player than Ryan Reeves <laughs> and why you disagree yeah <laughs> so okay yeah I've, I've had okay, yeah, we'll have to leave in case you couldn't for... tell no yeah we'll have to leave that there for now but we'll, we'll come back to it okay uh, before we do get to our new guest and the news, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and ever else you choose to let us two goons talk broken biscuits. A five-star review on iTunes is good for us, and doing so can guarantee you an entry into a prize draw where you can win nothing. So make sure you do it. <laughs> you do anyway, help me for a second there. On to our guest this week. It's a bit of a different one, but Will and I, Will and I have said for the longest time that we wanted to get fans involved in the show a Habs fan lives in Montreal called Ken got in touch big and up said Ken. some things yep big up to Ken big up Dyson Sphere but I wanted to come on the show and talk to you about living in Montreal what it means to be a Habs fan the the Montreal Toronto rivalry where it all comes from and all that kind of thing and we said yeah it sounds like a great idea he was really good it's it's good for us to have people on who live in the area because there are things me and Will just don't know living like we don't live in a hockey the entirety of our country is not even a hockey market let alone the town we live in or the city we live in so to have somebody on from a hockey town is a good thing if you're a fan 
you want to be on the show, want to discuss your team or anything about hockey, please do get in touch. Anyway, here he is, Ken Dyson. Hey, how's it going? I'm fine. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's been quite the day. I started off by wiping out on an electric bike. Oh. But now it's ending up with uh, talking to somebody about hockey in Great Britain. So that's pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, see, they started off bad and it's just got gradually worse then. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's deteriorated to the point where I'm on the phone with you. Okay. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just get into it then. You mentioned in your DM to me that you were an avid Habs fan, obviously grew up in that market, crazily into hockey, and your kind of fandom has waned over the years. Why why is that? Okay, um, I don't know. So I guess the context was like, how was I a Habs fan to begin with? I guess would be a good way to get into it. So it's kind of like actually before birth. Because if you're born in Montreal, it's like, I don't know, it's like a weird, it's kind of quasi-religious thing. And so I'm like a first Canadian, uh, first generation Canadian. So my parents were both immigrants. And uh, so their families moved here when they were uh, young, like teenager, I guess, like preteen. And my dad's uh, side of the family is from Italy. And when... Uh, when I was born, or when, uh, my my mom wanted me to have an English-sounding name, and okay. uh, and and uh, so that I would fit in, you know. But yes. like it, being in Quebec, I'm not so sure. But she thought maybe I'm pretty sure she thought maybe we were going to move to New York or something like her cousins did. But anyway, so she wanted me to have an English name, and my Nona, so my father's mother, was having none of it. It's like all my cousins' names end in O's or A's, right? So. Yeah. So uh, she was having none of it. So she was not going to have, she was like, uh, Stephen, no, uh, Kevin, no, Keith, no. And then my mom said, Ken. And she was like, oh, Ken, like Ken Dryden? Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> so, you know, and I was, you know, I was, I'll date myself. I was born in 1972. So that was just like Ken Dryden came out and won the uh, Rookie of the Year, the Calder Trophy before yes. winning the, the cons. Yeah, so he won a con Smythe before he won the Calder Trophy. You know, and then it, it, it ended up so my dad would have uh, his friends over, play poker on Saturday nights. And, uh, you know, I was uh, serving out beers uh, at the age where I was able to carry them to his friends. <laughs> and and in the smoky haze, there was like the, there was always uh, Hockey Night in Canada on. So it was just part of life. You know, the, the, the Canadians are um, something that kind of unites a lot like because it's the montreal is a city of immigrants and it kind of unites everybody together like there's french and english there's italian portuguese greek whatever and everybody you know just gets together uh under the habs banner and uh, it's all it's our team so i mean i think in that respect to not be a canadian fan is to be super contrarian so if you want to be like the prick at school who says that you're a they're a bruins fan oh, okay you, yeah. you know you know what i mean that's like that's kind of the thing you know and like my my next door neighbor was a flyers fan it's like why are you a flyers fan it makes no sense like do you have no connection to that like but i think it's just to be contrarian oh, i see, um, I see. but I, mean, I guess maybe other people they have like maybe their their dad was a big uh, bobby orr fan or something growing yeah. up so but yeah but a lot of it just happens because of your accident of birth i mean i think that's how a lot of things in life end up being anyways like i'm a big proponent of this moral luck theory that we just end up doing things because of things that happened to us in the past that were totally beyond our control so beyond my control i became a habs fan <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I guess it just, uh, you know, there was just like the habit, you know, and I would hang out with friends and it would be like the 93 cup run was like one of the best times of my life. You know, in 93, I was like guess 24 or something. And so it was big party time and we had a great time and uh, I did not riot. <laughs> but uh, I witnessed the riot in in those times. I was like, you know, I knew uh, where every player came from and uh, what junior team they played for. You know, I was like the Pierre Maguire, yeah. the Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, life gets in the way after a while. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've got a wife and kids and stuff and like all and a job. And I did a Ph.D. And through all of that, the fandom sort of waned. And also just the I think it's also the the lack of connection with the the actual teams now, with how corporate it is and how much money is involved in it, how much of a business it is, kind of uh, put a sour taste in my mouth. And even like we had a baseball team, a major league baseball team in Montreal that folded because of corporate greed. And uh, that really broke my heart because I was a big fan of the Montreal Expos as well. Yes. Yeah. So all of that kind of just completely took the mystique out of being a fan of like being a sports fan. And then I think I started to get back into it when my son started getting really interested in sports. And then so I started coaching when he was really young and getting in, getting interested in how like how you put the teams together. And he played baseball and hockey. And so then when uh, he gets interested in watching the games, too, because, you know, he wants to see how the but he becomes a fan. So then I was watching with him. And then now we're both fans together but we're not like we're not living and dying by Canadians winning or losing anymore like I was back when I was a teen yeah I've always said that I've said this for, forever sports fandom is so strange because you're you're essentially just rooting it's a it's a classic uh, it's a Jerry Seinfeld joke but you're rooting for your jerseys to beat the other jerseys exactly and it's I not think even the players because the players it, all change the, the coaches players change change everything exactly. changes except everything that jersey changed. and yeah and it's and the, the other thing I was just thinking just before we came on it was like if I'm rooting for the Canadians to win, basically I'm rooting for the Molson family to become richer. I mean, that's pretty much all it is. You know, you're rooting for the Jacobs family to be richer. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just a, you know, I mean, and it's, it's not even the players, you know, like people often say like, oh, I can't relate to these players because they make millions of dollars. It's like. You know, they're putting their livelihood on the line every time they get on the ice like they could, you know, they could seriously get injured. Like, I mean, it's crazy in NFL football. I can't watch it. It disgusts me. But it's just day after day of uh, concussions or um, and all these like serious injuries they could be getting you. There's there's a recent book. I don't know. It's a few years old, I guess, that Ken Dryden wrote about the life of uh, Steve Montador. Okay. And uh, so he he has this narrative of how like the game has gotten off the rails in terms of how dangerous it is regarding uh, concussions and uh, and CTE. Yes. Uh, and he frames it in over the life of this, you know, quite a fringe player. Like he, he wasn't a star. He was never a star, but he, you know, won a Stanley Cup, but was always like just trying to stay on the team. And he has to do whatever it takes to stay on the team. And whatever it takes for him was getting into fights, yeah. you know, and being that physical force. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, it just talks about the, the the physical and mental toll it takes on a person to do that. And eventually he ended up having a lot of substance abuse issues and uh, finally committed suicide. So these 
I can't say that, you know, the players are being overpaid. It's ridiculous what they do. And if I was in the, in the, the spot of being able to do something that miraculous, I mean, what they do is miraculous. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't be watching it. And, uh, you know, I would take the money. And they're there making the owners even richer. It's just, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to get into politics if I get even further into this because, <laughs> you know, I would like to have it where all the revenue across the league was shared and uh, the players would 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 get percent you know like you wouldn't have a like you wouldn't have a salary cap you'd get like well this player gets uh 40 you know like the 22 percent of the total revenue because of you know his attributes oh, okay yeah you okay. know but that's never gonna happen i mean you know I, I live in a dream world sometimes but then in that case you you wouldn't you wouldn't have like you would have more more parity and you would you would be able like if you would build a team you would build a team based on on like a financial i hate i hate to like even Put financial terms on a person because that's what you're doing. You're like having a person be worth a certain amount of money. And to me, that's ridiculous. You would put together a team based on a, a more level playing field. Like, you'd know, like, oh, the salary cap's not going to change next year. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to save this much for the cap. And and even even as it is right now, you can't get players in, in Canada as easily as in, say, Florida or Texas because uh, they don't tax their players. Yeah. And over here, uh, like, you know, if you're making a million dollars, half of that is going to the government or probably even more. So the salary cap doesn't even make sense. There is no level playing field even with the salary cap. So I think the salary cap ruined the NHL. And um, anyway, that's another story. The, the only issue with that then is, is that you get a situation, I get, you don't want it to turn into soccer where... Oh, right. Yeah. Because obviously, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you follow or not, but obviously every league across the world, except for I think in, the, in major league soccer, I think... You can just buy a player for an amount of money. You just give another team, here's a hundred million pounds. We want yeah. this player, and they say, okay, then, and that's it. There's no. That's why the rich teams stay the richest teams, I guess. But yeah, percentage-based caps sort of would work better, but I think it's not going to happen because no. uh, because you know the Jacobs family wants to be richer than the Molson family. They don't want to share with them. It's yeah, not going to work. Billionaires <laughs> fighting for each other, isn't it? Yeah, fighting yeah, yeah exactly. Space. I kind of like the the model they use. I think it's Irish in uh, hurling, right? Hurling's that like kind of field hockey game they play. Like it's kind of like lacrosse. Yeah, we call it murder ball because murder it's just, ball. Exactly. Yeah, it's just yeah. insanity. Hurling, I wouldn't, God, you couldn't give me enough money to play hurling. It's insane. I know. I, I, I work with a, a bloke who is on the Canadian national hurling team, if you can believe there is one. Wow. I, <laughs> yeah. I did not know that. And uh, yeah, so he, uh, yeah, he went to um, Ireland this year for the World Cup, I guess. Oh, wow. And they did very poorly. But um, but I think in hurling in the in the Irish league, it's uh, the, the guys are just like from that town. Yes, they are. And yes. you're from that town. You play for that town's team, and that's that, that's it. And you're actually rooting for guys that are in your own town. I mean, that's not going to happen with hockey. I mean, it's a world sport. But um, we need to do something. There has to be something to have more of a um, more of a real connection to the team. And I mean, for me, the 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 connection is my childhood. So I mean, I can't. It's not going to get erased. So I'm always uh, I'm always going to be. I'm not going to be a fair weather fan. You know. That's why I don't. So this is a question. How did you guys pick your teams? I know like Will is a uh, (laughs) Stars fan, right? And and so you're a a Bruins fan. So how how does someone in the UK pick a team in North America? It normally comes via any means necessary. And (laughs) me and Will have said this before is that there is no. Ideally, you would go back to that to yourself when you decide to pick a team and say, don't pick a team. Just watch the sport and enjoy it. Because picking a team is stupid. 
as I've already said, there's no reason to actually pick a team, especially if you're not from that area or even the same country, for crying out loud. But yeah. to be honest, I cannot remember Will's story because, you know, he drones a lot and, you know, it's like, anyway. <laughs> you just tune out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm only thinking of something else or watching a fly when he's talking. I had a, a Sega Genesis and I was into the NFL at the time because a friend of mine who was older liked American football. And I thought, if I like American football, he might like me more. So I got into American football <laughs> because of an older guy who lived on our street. I think he was like three or four years older than me. And I got a Sega Genesis and I got a copy of John Madden 94. And with it came a copy of EA Hockey 94. Oh I, my God. I played that game so much. Oh yeah. I played it to oh, death. Yeah. And so put the cartridge <laughs> in, played a game. I was like, oh wow, this is really cool. Now, obviously way back then, I mean, there wasn't even satellite television, cable, internet. There was nothing. We had four channels. That was it. There was a sports program on, on a, a station called Channel 4, and there was a sports program on called Transworld Sport, and it just showed highlights of all sports all over the world, for everything from, like you say, hurling to kabaddi to American football to ice hockey to whatever. And I would see ice hockey highlights on Transworld Sport. So I always just kind of kept up with it that way, but I never got to see games, never got to see anything really. And then... Oh, God. I can't remember what year it was I picked the Bruins, but I, when we started to get the internet, like, in every house, and we had it, obviously then you can find streams and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And people would put games online. Like, they would record games and put them online somehow the day after and all this kind of thing. Oh, right, and, yeah, yeah. And I kind of I... thought, well, <laughs> I should probably pick a team. That's I've been watching, you know, I, I kind of think I'm going to get into this. So uh, it's very bad, but my sport watching is based off hatred. I need somebody else to not like. So I had to find a team that had an enemy that I could root against. Perfect. And I also, and I also couldn't pick the best team because you can't... I've got a friend who no, suddenly... Yeah, yeah, he suddenly just became a Patriots fan and a Golden State Warriors fan. And I'm like, dude, um, come on. Like, what are you doing? Like, this is ridiculous. That's so anyway, obvious too. Okay. I, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. So the one team that stuck out was the Bruins because I couldn't, I, I couldn't really find another rivalry that was the same... Like, they had the hatred, the history. They were kind of good, but they weren't amazing. So I thought, well, I'm not picking, like, the best team, but I'm picking a decent team. So, and that, that was just it. It was all, it was kind of mathematically done, so to speak. And then, yeah, that's it, isn't it? Once you pick your team and that's, you know, then you suck it in for life then, so. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that because uh, the thing I can't stand are the, these these people who flip teams all, all the time. But I also find it difficult to watch a sport and not root for a team. Like I tried to do that with baseball because our team got, you know, ripped out from under me. Yeah. And uh, and then when my son started playing baseball again, I was like, well, I got to show him baseball, right? Like if he's yeah. going to play it. So we started, so we got like, you know, I can get games on the internet or whatever. And I'm like, okay, well, we can watch the Blue Jays, but I cannot root for a Toronto team. Like, it's just <laughs> not going to happen. <laughs> and then it's like, especially when they're calling themselves Canada's team. Uh, oh, that <laughs> drives me up the wall. And then uh, I ended up, again, this is really funny that you mentioned about hatred because I ended up picking the San Francisco Giants mainly because of their hatred for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And the Los Angeles Dodgers in 1981 broke my nine-year-old heart when Rick Monday hit a home run to deny the Expos their only chance to get to the World Series. Oh, okay. So I hated Fantastic. the Dodgers, and this, and it was like, whoa, the San Francisco Giants fans really hate the Dodgers. They have like a hashtag, beat LA. Like I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm in. 
So, uh, yeah, so I became a Giants fan. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, because I, 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 I couldn't I just... love all these stories. Yeah, especially when it's a team that you're not... My NFL team is the Dallas Cowboys, and I only picked them because I was... I think I was nine, and they played... It was a season where they won one game. And oh. I, watched, <laughs> I watched that game. I think they played the Redskins, and I thought, well, whichever team wins, I'll just pick that team. And Dallas won. It was their only win of the season. I had no idea. <laughs> that was it. That was my team. And then I think two years after, that was the first. Then they started and they won three out of four Super Bowls. And I was like, oh, this is easy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this sport's great. Like, my team always wins. And obviously. Yeah, you're doing pretty good with the Bruins, too. I did. Yeah. I, oh God, when did I. I probably started watching games properly about 06 or 07, around there. Okay, so, so you didn't have to wait too long. It wasn't too bad. I've been very lucky since then. After after the game last year, after game seven last year, I said to Will, how can I complain? Really? I've seen my yeah. team playing three cup finals in eight years. It's, you know, that's ridiculous. And if we'd never won one, I would have been devastated. But we have at least, and I've at least seen my team win a cup. So, I, you know, I can't complain. There's like, say, like Chicago Cubs in baseball. And oh like people <laughs> have lived and died and never seen their team win ever. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. You know, yeah, like the Blues totally last crazy. year, it was their first one or the Capitals or, you know, yeah. things like that. So, I know. Just quickly going back to Montreal, why is it? I didn't realize it was, there was a large immigrant population from all over the world that kind of landed in Montreal. Do you know why that is? Uh, I would not have expertise in that, but um, I think I mean we're relative like we're East Coast, right? So it's either you're going to land in New in New York City, or oh, then true. you, you yeah. and then or you land in the Maritimes, uh, sort of like um, the Eastern uh, Seaboard provinces in um, in Canada. But there's I mean unless you're going to f- catch lobsters for a living, there's not really much you could have done there, I guess, when the yeah. whole thing came. So the biggest city actually on the uh, in in Canada when my parents immigrated was Montreal. Toronto was second. Ah, okay. And uh, okay. what ended up happening was that we have this whole like weird quasi xenophobic I don't know. It's it I think it stems down to a class war, but the the separation uh, issue with Quebec and the rest of Canada. Okay. And when that whole thing happened in the late 60s, 70s and then into the 80s, a lot of the money which was held by English blokes moved over to Toronto. So all the head offices moved over there. And uh, then Toronto just became a boom town. Ah, so is that, does that explain yeah. some of the rivalry be- between Montreal and Toronto? Then? Yeah, Toronto's money. To right. Montreal. Okay. Okay. Toronto is like the sellout city. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. Yeah, I never, this is great. This is one of the reasons why yeah. Will and I wanted to have people on and, who are fans from these areas because we were like, well, we don't really know these things, like the intricacies of sort of intercity rivalries and stuff like that. Right. I mean, and I'm, I'm no historian, but I mean, I've lived here and, you know, just like the attitudes of, you know, the people that I hang out with. And I mean, it's really, uh, there was quite this, uh, I mean, there was a book written called The Two Solitudes about the two, like the English and French community. And there's, I find that there, like, I I left Montreal for uh, quite a number of years to go do um, uh, postgraduate studies in um, Ontario, like outside of Toronto. Yeah. And uh, so, that was, I guess, between like 2002 and 2010. And then when I came back, I found that Montreal was a lot chiller in terms of like the attitudes towards language. So I think over like because there was another separation debate sort of referendum happening in 1995. And there was like uh, when it didn't win, the separatist side blamed um, 
money and the ethnic vote. So it got really, <laughs> it was just really a mess. And so it's, it was depressing to live in, in Montreal in those times. And uh, so, but then when I came back, I think the this sort of quote unquote millennial generation doesn't give as much of a shit about that as the older generations did. Because I think what the whole... Um, English and French thing was that like the the English had them like back in the day like in the 30s and 40s or whatever when when Montreal was becoming this um, sort of industrial uh, hub or whatever you would have the English own own the factories and lived on the hill in what's called the neighborhood it's called Westmount and it's like because Montreal is kind of like it's on an island and then there's like a hill in the middle of it. Okay. We call it the mountain, but it's not a mountain. Okay. <laughs> there's this hill and there's big nice houses up there where all the English, you know, factory owners lived. And then down in the by the river in these little shanty towns, which is was where the French people lived and worked. And Irish too. Irish were also not high on the totem pole. Yes. So you see the Irish and French getting along quite well. And I guess the Catholic thing works too. The English are Protestant. So there's a lot of crazy things going on. Like it's more complicated than just the language. And I think, uh, I think like sort of these demagogues come up and bring up that, you know, the, the, the French culture is in jeopardy because the language and they just use it as a, like a prop. Like, I don't, you know, like language really isn't the issue. I mean, to me, and I had this argument with somebody on Twitter yesterday and I got to stop doing this, (laughs) but but like language is to communicate. And I've worked in English and French universities and English and French health uh, institutions. Right. And I mean, all you have to do is be able to communicate ideas to people and whether it's in English or in French, if people can understand you, you get through the day. Right. And that doesn't mean that you disparage their culture or anything. And and a culture can survive uh, regardless of what language people are speaking around you. You know, and I I really I encourage people to promote French culture because it's interesting and it's got a lot of, you know, things to give the world culturally in terms of that whole um, English French divide. I think it stemmed from that economic inequality that was happening. And then a lot of that um, got shifted over to Toronto. And then right now there's a whole lot of, like, I mean, West Mound is, uh, you know, mostly owned by Chinese businessmen that don't even live there. <laughs> so, oh, okay. Okay. so yeah. I mean, you know, the world is changing. And, um, and I think like a lot of these, these, this, like this right wing kind of popularism wants to pretend that the world isn't changing. <laughs> Yeah, that, like things are the same and it's like it's us against them. And then unfortunately, that's what's coming up again. I can see that coming up again over here with our latest government and, uh, and all of this. Uh, the provincial government is a populist government. And in the federal election, most of Quebec was swept by um, by a party that that is there to, quote unquote, promote Quebec's interests within Canada, which basically means they're preparing for a separation. So anyway, it's, it's ridiculous. But the Montreal Canadians are a unifying factor with all that, like English and French. We all love them. So that's another thing that makes uh, the, the Canadians something more than just a team in terms of fandom. I mean, originally, the Canadians were the French team. Like we had another team called the Maroons. Yes. And that's where all the English guys played on. And then the French guys played on the Canadiens. The Canadiens were owned and operated by rich English guys. And until recently, like the coaches could be English, the GMs could be English. The I mean, the owner currently is English. But right now you can't have an English coach or an English GM. It just wouldn't fly. 
It's the only thing that – because you can't get French players anymore. <laughs> there aren't enough to, to have yeah, a competitive true. team. So to have a French flavor on the team, you have to have the coach and the GM be French. I think that's my, that's my understanding of it. And I'm, I'm fine with it. But. Do you think that would a coach who brought success say the say a, there was an English coach and he and he said and there's a press conference and he says I understand I don't speak French but I'm gonna pour my heart and soul into it I am gonna learn it as quickly as I can I understand how important it is and he brings massive success to the team say he wins <laughs> I don't know like three cups in ten years or something does that suddenly just become do you think it becomes forgotten do you think uh, it's the kind of the great equalizer is sport success. Yeah, I think it might happen, but there would still be. I don't know if you know anything about the media in Montreal. <laughs> this was gonna be, yeah, one of, this was going to be one of my questions. And but that would reasons, not fly. It would yeah, be one of the reasons we wanted so to, much backlash. Wanted to have you on was to get an idea about the media in Montreal because obviously you hear about it. Even in England, the hockey media coming from Canada is dominated by Toronto. And I've ranted, oh my and raved, yeah. I've ranted and raved on this show before about how I'm sick to death of hearing about the Maple Leafs and everything that they do. And, oh my God, John Tavares had this for his lunch today? I'm like, yeah. this is news? Like, what are we doing? And I guess some, some things are worth reporting. The Mana holdout, worth reporting. Yep. Matthew's contract, worth reporting. But then going to like random old-timey hockey players saying, what do you think about the Maple Leafs signing John Tavares then? Like, who gives, like it's good. Like, what's the story here? There's no story. And I was wondering, is it the same in Mon- Like, what is the fishbowl like in Montreal for players around that team in the media? Oh, it's like the, uh, it's crazy. Okay, so we have like a, a um, we have, uh, one English uh, newspaper and one English uh, radio station that's a, a sports radio station. It's affiliated with uh, TSN. Yes. And it's basically like this, the sports section of the of the of our Montreal Gazette is just basically the columnist is just a uh, he's a troll. So basically everything that the Canadians do is uh, a mistake. It's ridiculous. And then and it's like and they have they probably have like four reporters at like you know, for one paper, at the game, uh, practice, uh, post game uh, news conference, uh, in the dressing room, and just as an example of how how bad this can be, so Saku Koivu got this eye injury from I think it was Justin Williams high sticking him in a playoff. Oh, I can't yes. remember the year. Yeah, so he got this crazy eye injury and so he was put in the hospital in a secluded room in complete darkness for his eye to heal and some some moron photographer snuck into the room and took a flashbulb photo like right up to his face as to get like a sneak peek of what saku koivu's room is like this is ridiculous it's like completely ridiculous so that's just one little snippet of of uh of what it's like and uh, I mean, I don't know. I, often players say they don't read whatever. I think that's bullshit. Uh, I'm pretty sure you read or you hear about it anyways. I don't know. There was, there's always this stuff about like Carrie Price and his, and his girlfriend and uh, his wife. And like there was this whole – I didn't even get into it because I couldn't, I couldn't go there about him having like children with other women and stuff. And it, none of this stuff is corroborated at all. There's no evidence. And it's just all this, they just throw a bunch of crap against the wall and see what sticks. And um, oftentimes it, uh, it comes up on the radio and stuff. And it's like, we don't, can we not, can we just talk about the actual games? 
you know, at some point. I like, know, and, I know. And stop, like, talking about what these players are doing off the ice. I mean, sure, if a guy is Austin Matthews, uh, you know, harassing people in their cars, you should out that. And then he should have consequences. But but what people do in their private lives should be kept private. And I think, I think Habs players are followed around you know like where, what clubs they go to and all of this kind of stuff and so and but like the, the medium you know how they they in the u.s how they follow politics yes that's how the montreal media follows the canadians it's like it's exact it's exactly like so you'll have your crazy trumpster um you know brexiter types and you'll have your uh you know um your uh homer types uh, you'll have your hater types you but there's so many of them that they all have a voice you know it's not just like one yeah go there's like five of them so it's loud so it's it's kind of crazy and i can see why some players would shy away from it but at the same time i think if you've you know, if you've got the guts to play this crazy game that is hockey, I mean, I think you'd want to try to win in the craziest market that there is. But <laughs> that's just me. I don't know. <laughs> Would you say the majority of fans will buy into this newspaper talk, do you think? Or do you think most of them are smart to what's going on in regards to, it, you know, it's just they're just looking for clicks or headlines or... Or do you kind of hear people saying like, oh my God, I can't believe what Jonathan Drewham is doing at this place or yeah, yeah. Like, does it go like that or do the most of the, or most fans kind of aware of what the, like the media is doing? I think most are aware. I think so. But I mean, I don't know, like in the, in the, in the circuits that I, uh, <laughs> that I navigate through. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like I've, you know, my friends or the people that I interact with on Twitter or or whatever, like whatever, we know that it's just bullshit and we have, we roll our eyes to that kind of stuff. But, uh, but I mean, if they're selling papers, I'm sure it's working on somebody. Yeah, I know. That's the, God, that, we have that weird thing over here that like, I've only just started to realize that my dad's a complete idiot. Like it's oh, no. driving me, it's driving <laughs> me insane. And I've, me and him had like a tempestuous relationship anyway. But when you were saying before about um, the English people being in Montreal and living on the high hill and looking down on everyone else, and I was just thinking, well, yeah, that's what English people do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, and I don't understand. Like, you would think the older people who live in England would understand what has gone on in this country and our history, and none of them seem to get it. None of them seem to understand what's going on. And it's my generation that's read and studied and realizes that, oh, God, the war. Oh, my God. You would think that we won the war on our own and that was it. We had no help from anybody and no one else did anything. And it was just yeah. us and the entire rest of the world. And yeah. I'm like, and then once it's won, you know, slap, 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 it's done, right? We did it. Yeah. We, we beat did all the Nazis and there's no more ever. <laughs> like, yeah. We, aren't we great? <laughs> Dad, do you understand what we've done on this planet? We're terrible. We are terrible. And just you saying that, like, okay, yeah. So obviously we did that in Canada as well. Great. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> we kind of tried to rule over Montreal and then we burnt that to the ground and went, oh, we'll go to Toronto instead. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Like, taking over Toronto, that's great. You had to say to him, do you not understand it was essentially the Soviet Union that won the war and Hitler's mistakes? <laughs> it had nothing to do with us. Nothing to do with us. The Soviet Union just kept throwing human sacrifice at the point until know. it was fixed. It was just like fodder. My dad will still read the paper. We have 24-hour news cycles. Yeah. You can look at the news as it's <laughs> happening right now. And you're deciding to read what happened yesterday, maybe. That's yeah, what maybe, you're doing. Exactly, yeah. And, and yeah, and he's, someone's he's, opinion of what happened yesterday. Alrighty. Thank you to Ken. Part two next week. Let's go into the news. Let's just start with Babcock and get out of the way. There's like 127 articles on it, which all essentially boil down to the same thing. He lost the dressing room. 
A lot of the players thought he was full of shit. They didn't like his methods, so he's gone. That's it. Cool. What next? Right. Two regulation wins in 16 games, and they, ha- they have less wins than the Sens do right now, That's which is something amazing. crazy. Less regulation wins than the Sens. They're less regulation wins than the Sens do right now, which is fantastic. So, Sheldon Keefe is in. The only thing I will say about this is that all of Dubas's chips are on the table, and he has gone into the middle all in. I mean, kind of, but like he didn't hire Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock. It's not like say Jim Dillon Dallas, who's on his third coach, and it's like right if he fires Jim Montgomery or whatever. Not that he will now, but you know if he Dubas isn't at the end of his tether, at the end of his leash, I don't think. And if he is, that's very un- unfair because he's basically done all you can expect him to do. And he's just had a had a coach that that hasn't bought into the team that he's built. No, that's true. That is true. Tyson Barry was the main I guess you would say like the main point of argument here, wasn't he? Was that half half of the media were saying, Well, why don't you just trade him if you're not going to use him? And the other half were saying, Well, why don't you just use him properly? Why don't you just try him on the top power play unit, quarterback in it, because that's what he does. Yep. Sheldon Keefe is known as being a very good coach. I think he's gonna use play I mean as we discussed with Mark when we did our first ever interview, the fact they used Austin Matthews for, what, 15 minutes in that whole game seven or something was ridiculous. You can see that you can drive and push these younger players. Look at Edmonton right now. Connor and Leon Dreisaitl, yeah, just keep going. Just keep playing. You want to play? Go go and play. Keep playing. I think we're going to see Sheldon Keefe use a lot, lot more of that. He's going to use his top players, which is something Babcock didn't do. And he's going to give his skilled players more of a chance. I was just going to touch on like the the usage thing and like there are people piling on you know saying oh what was Babcock meant to do he's not had the team that's built for him it's like well at, at the end of the day which who's got more sort of authority in the in the team building process like the GM builds the team and the coach has to coach the team the coach doesn't necessarily have any input in most coaches at least don't have any input in the in the acquisitions. So it's and the GM's the coach's boss. So it's like right, I've given you this team, use it to the best of their abilities. As as has been plain as day for like eighteen months now, Mike Babcock has basically refused to use that team how it should be used. Yeah. So to blame the here he goes again. To blame the Maple Leafs woes on either Carl Dubas or an abundance of skill, it's just incorrect. It's just not right. It's mismanagement of incredible assets. You know, if you get yourself a Ferrari, and yeah, you... Go on. Where am I going with this? Get get yourself a Ferrari, (laughs) and you strap a grand piano to the roof of it and fill the fuel tank with piss, and then you complain (laughs) it's not going very fast. Yeah, it's because you're a dickhead. And and in, in this example, the Leafs are the Ferrari, Cody CC's the piano... <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, like, who are you going to compare to piss well let's go who am I going to compare to piss that is a very good question Austin Matthews only getting 15 minutes a night is the piss oh good that's good okay, yeah, yeah, thank you that. very that's much good. and uh, and Mike Babcock is the dickhead like that's that's the long and short of it he's not used this team properly at all to a, to a point of just defiance not even ignorance or incompetence it's defiance it's it reeks to me and not to sound like you know norwich's best mike commodore impersonator but 
it does reek of that arrogance that Mike Commodore's always talking about. It's like, oh, I know best. I've coached Team Canada. I've won two Stanley Cups or however many he's won and all that nonsense. Like, the the whole thing of... Babcock always got praised for at the Olympics and stuff, getting superstar players to play non-superstar roles. And that's how, supposedly, Team Canada had their success. I can definitely see the same thing playing out and him just saying to like Austin Matthews or whoever or Jason Spetzer, whoever it might be, oh, well, if it was good enough to win me an Olympic gold and I got, you know, Ryan Getzlaff to play as a checking line centre, then you can do it too, you uppity little shit. It's like, no, mate, it's not. It's dumb. So I'll, t- I'll tell you what I'm reading, hearing around... This is before this, before the the sacking, before the firing, I would say, sorry. The sacking, the ransacking of Castle Badcock. <clears throat> well, yeah, 40 managers get sacked, don't they? Coaches get fired. <laughs> the narrative was, was that the Avs and Joe Sakic worked over Dubas in taking Barry for Kadri. As the Avs didn't even need Tyson Barry because they knew what Kel McCarr was going to be. And Dubas should have realised that and not given up a player with the grit and the jam will of Nazim Kadri. As I said before, I love revisionist history. Yeah, that's that's the thing. The Leafs still got out on the better end of that deal, I think, if you use Tyson Barry properly. If Jared Bednar was putting Nazim Kadri on the fourth line, stapling him with a couple of AHL goons, then yeah, he's probably not going to be as effective. But, and... and <laughs> Same thing with Kyle McCarr. If he staples him to the third pairing and doesn't give him any power play time, then he's probably going to be as effective as Tyson Barry has been this year. So it's like you can't compare the two situations at all. No, you're right. You're right for sure. The talk is now is that is he going to be... I mean, Christ, it's already started. No wonder, bloody hell, like, Toronto is such a fucking hard market to play in. As, as Ken mentions in his interview, the, the lack of privacy of any hockey players in, in sort of major Canadian markets is terrifying. And already the argument is, well, you know, Keith's never managed an NHL before. What would you expect? What do you expect? You know, what, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? And I'm just thinking, the Penguins won two cups in a row with a guy they brought up from the AHL. The Bruins got to the cup final last year with a coach they brought up from the AHL. Craig Berube last year won the Stanley Cup. I think Sheldon Keith's going to be fine. I think he'll do okay. Yeah. It's not like he's just some geezer off the street. It's not I know. Like he wasn't just doing admin for a local bank or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, oh, do you want to coach Leafs? <laughs> yeah, all right. He's, he, <laughs> he was a professional hockey player. He's played over 100 games in the NHL. And he's been coaching... Sheldon, can you... Sheldon, Sheldon, can you, can you stop photocopying those pamphlets? Cal um, Dubas is on the phone. He needs to talk to you quickly. <laughs> Oh, I was Hello. expecting this call. Like, he's oh, been... <laughs> what took you so long, Kyle? Jesus. If, if you're saying, like, oh, can Sheldon Keith handle coaching in Toronto? Yes, he's been coaching in Toronto for four years. Like... I know. It's... <laughs> what, what are we even talking about here? This is... And, not, and I'm just going to parrot this as well. No, please. Is that the media, and I was just like TSN, Sportsnet, all that kind of shit... All going on about how Dubas handled the contracts terribly. You know, oh, shouldn't have mate. given in to. I know. Hang on. I know, yeah, shouldn't have right. given in. To, shouldn't have given in to Nylander at the start. It caused a domino effect. You know, why did he give Austin Matthews a blank check for five years? 
because then that then caused the ripple effect where now they can't even go and they can't even go out and get a backup goaltender. Obviously Hutchinson gets sent down, they're bringing Kaskasuo. Fucking hell. I watched I watched that game. Not all of it, because obviously I was probably asleep, but I watched most of that game and dude, they absolutely hung him out to dry in his first NHL game. <laughs> he just got no help at all. They were awful. Awful for him. Then the next day, why did Dubas do that with those contracts? Now we can't even go out and get a goalie. Like, what, what are we supposed to do? Do I agree with it? Eh, maybe a little bit. It's like, every, you know, like I say, every single little decision is questioned and then even the ripple effects of those those decisions are questioned. With, yeah, the, the Leafs are tied to the cap. There's no question about it. But they're not the only team that's tied to the cap. And the problem is... No, loads are this season. Loads. Exactly. The problem aren't, isn't the big four forwards... The problem is, if you're going to have a go at Dubas for anything, it's giving Cody Ceci close to five million on the cap. There's a backup goaltender right there, and there's just it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, they're having to pay their other guys that fill around. You know, your your Andreas Johnsons, your Kapanens, your Hymans, your Kafuts. They're having to pay them more than other people play pay players in those positions, like on the lineup. Because they're better than a lot of other teams' players in those lineups. Like it's not, yeah. You've got third line wingers making multiple third line players making over three million dollars a year, and yeah, that's because they're good because they're worth it. He's not. There aren't many contracts that Dubas has got bad value out of. He's just had to play pay players and and to his credit kept hold of these players while they're still good. The one that made my absolute jaw drop, you know, because you expect the ones of, oh, we shouldn't have paid that soft Euro Nylander, it's <laughs> people saying they shouldn't have signed John Tavares. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> what are you even talking about? Idiots everywhere, like, there, there is nothing that brings out the idiocy in the hockey population better than the Maple Leafs. Aren't sports fans the best? They're they're crazy. I just wanted to touch on quickly as he brought up the the media surrounding the Leafs. I can't remember exactly what it was. I saw uh, a tweet from Damien Cox a couple of days ago, and I just wanted to remind the world that he is the biggest idiot out there. The dumbest guy in media <laughs> is Damien Cox. I thought you were going to read the tweet then or something. No, no, I can't. I, I can't remember what it is. Oh, okay, fair enough. Just he's done. But the, the point no is, problem. it doesn't matter. Like Damien Cox is an idiot. Just, just to remind everyone that Damien Cox is a fucking idiot and should be treated as such. All right, then, fair enough. The second team I wanted to talk about: trade rumors, you know, players not performing, insane takes coming from every corner. Team are seen as an early contender, but now it's struggling. Will is the is the sky also falling in Calgary? It seemed that way. Yeah, and again, we were talking about... because. Because if Zach Ronaldo's your saviour... That's what I'm talking about, trouble. mate. 200 hockey idiots. Similar to, <laughs> to what we were saying about the Islanders, like the Flames aren't great. They had one good year last year and suddenly people are surprised that they're not doing that good this year. Like, when their star player's not having a very good year. Like, what? The maths isn't simple, people. It isn't hard. It's not like the Lightning are suddenly falling apart or the Bruins or whatever. It's not the same as the Maple Leafs at all because the Flamers don't have a very good team. Yeah, they uh, when they played the Avs, I think it was uh, last night or the night before. It was their first; they scored their first even strength goal in two hundred and twenty-four minutes. 
Fucking hell. That's that's the thing that makes me say balmy. And and that that's the sort of the proof of it all. That's why we shouldn't be surprised. If a team is bad enough that they can go three three and a half games without scoring a single goal, you're a bad team. Like you're not you're not you're not in a you're not in a rut. You've got eighteen skaters on your team who've what cumulatively played so two hundred minutes they went without a goal. So that's three... Yeah, 220. 220. Oh, well, even... even well, it's over 3,600 minutes of hockey that has been played between those players and not one of them scored a goal. Sat a lot of them. Blow the... Blew, move that team to... Where were they going to move some... to? Oh, I don't know. Houston. Move them to Houston. Get rid of them all. There we go. Yeah, Houston. Give, give James go. Harden a pair of skates. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I got to say, I got some more flame stats for you oh, as well. No please. team has, uh, yeah, no team has chased more leads. Nearly eleven whole games worth they've been behind in games, yep. and they're producing, they're producing a whole goal less than they were last season. What on average? Yeah, See, per game. That's not as shocking when you think that they haven't scored a goal for three games. Oh, I know, but still, that's they're the, yeah, they're the second, yeah, the second worst team in terms of goals scored. If anything, that's more damning of how not necessarily particularly good they were last year. I, you know, they were good, but they weren't incredible. If you've gone three games without scoring a goal and you're still only one goal behind your your average of last year, like, yeah, but dude, dude, they won the Western Conference last year. They couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, but you can win games and still not be a very good team. <laughs> I mean, I guess. Well, you can you can be a fluky team, and that's you know, if you're winning games and not scoring many goals, then you're a fluky team. Over eighty-two games, that's a big fluke. And there was an article this week that Johnny Goodrow should be traded. Yeah, because the uh, the rumor is is that the playbook is out on him, which is you stop him passing and let him shoot, because he has noodly arms. And <laughs> I mean, he's only got he's only got two goals in eighteen games, so maybe they're onto something. No one, no one was saying that about Jamie Ben, old noodly arms <laughs> Ben, who had until the other day the same number of goals in more games. Like, <laughs> I'd, uh, mate, again, I think the theme of this week is going to be that people are just idiots. Yeah, trading your best player is how you improve your team. That's definitely it. That is your most skilled player yeah. as well. Like, yeah, that you... we, that's it. Are we having the same? As I said moments ago, we're not having the same conversation about Jamie Ben, are we? We're not having the same conversation yeah, about. That's true. Well, who is a good power forward nowadays? Because Jamie Ben definitely ain't it. If he's Blake Wheeler, if Blake Wheeler goes on a blooming scoring drought, which he is, nobody's saying, "Oh, it's because he's got noodle arms. His arms are too big." And <laughs> I, I understand it because. You don't know what to do. If you knew what to do to fix the team, then you'd talk about that. So you don't know. But you have yeah. to talk about something. So you talk about trading Johnny Gaudreau. It's just asinine. It's moronic. How long has uh, how long has Bill Peters got then? Do you think? Uh, probably to the end of the year. He was only hired last year, wouldn't he? Yeah, true. That's a good point. And I think yeah, you give him you give him a, a bit longer at least. Yeah, I doubt I doubt he gets fired this year unless they go particularly worse. Well, well, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a former Stanley Cup winning coach on the market. Oh so, my you know. god! Uh, <laughs> no. Just you. I'm surprised. I'm surprised it hasn't even started yet. Hey, Mike Babcock's available. You know, why doesn't he go and coach here? 
Yeah, it will, and he, he probably will get picked up. I reckon he'll do what Quenville did. He won't get. He won't go to another team this year. But yeah, there'll be people falling out also a tip to get him next year. And the last team I wanted to talk about, which is a team who's won one out of eight, conceding thirty-four goals in those eight games, and in that time they've lost to the Flames, as we mentioned, on a massive downturn. The Rangers, not very good. The Sharks, also not great. The Canucks also having a shit show right now, and the Blackhawks, also not considered to be contenders. Um, none of those are particularly good, and this team also got destroyed 9-4 by the Colorado Avalanche. First off, Will, why isn't anybody talking about the problems in Nashville? I didn't even know any of that. There you go. They've won one out of eight. That's not that many games, though, is it? Yes. It's one out of eight. <laughs> yeah, but like... In the grand scheme of things, like you can go on a, a couple <laughs> the of years grand ago. Scheme of things. In the when you're the winningest GM in uh, the history of the league, Dan. What is, you know, two thousand games. They're second, uh, they're second last in your conference. They're second last in your division. In the in the Will Everett division, teams have long, uh, long winning streaks and long losing streaks in the season, and still make the, still make the playoffs. There's only, there's only three teams who are worse than them in the Western Conference. That's the Sharks, the Wild, and the Kings. Yeah, still That's better, not good. Still better than the Sharks. Sharks are a great team. <laughs> They've got to be doing something, right? It's <laughs> Yeah, it's not good. It's, it's, it's not good. I thought, you'd be more, I thought you'd be more stunned by that. I am pretty stunned, but it's not... That's just one eight-game stretch, though. <laughs> You can prove anything with facts. You can. You really can. <laughs> Sorry, the other... Need I remind you, need I remind you that the, the Leafs have just lost six in a row and fired their coach. The Flames are on a massive downturn and the, the, the Vultures are already circling for Bill Peters. Yeah, but... And you're like, the Preds have lost, the Preds have won one in eight. Ah, they'll be all right. Yeah. They're fine. Peter Laviolette's not got Roman Yossi as a backup goalie and playing Matt Duchesne, fourth line left wing with like Colton Sissons and Austin Watson, is he? Here's my here's my question. I'm glad you brought Peter Laviolette. Is it time for a change? Is it time for a change of voice? Is that his voice his voice now does not carry the same weight as it used to, and the players are now just tuning him out or whatever? Yeah, potentially. He sat Kyle Turris against the Jets as well. Yeah, but that's that shouldn't be news at this point. Like Kyle Turris is washed. True. That's I mean, like... the good news is he's he's only got four years left after this year at six million a year, so that's good. Mate. That that's such an unfortunate one. Like, who could have seen that happening? But at the same time, Nashville shouldn't have been so uh, hasty to extend him. I don't think. So the Predators have won one in their last eight. Yeah. So before that, they'd won eight out of twelve. So they're yeah they're on a slip, but they're not doing that badly. There's only three teams worse than them in the Western Conference. Yeah. Today, what day is it? What, didn't you say earlier that the standards don't matter until after Christmas anyway? I mean, yeah, I said that, <laughs> but... <laughs> I only meant it for that moment. Yeah, that only mattered then. That was then, Will. This is now. <laughs> this is fucking now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's not good, but oh, I wouldn't be too worried. I would be. I would be. Would you? We said... Yeah, because... I'm going to, uh, in a uh, Barry Horowitz-style, pat myself on the back here. We did say, we did say at the start of the season, we said, do you like that centre depth? And we both said no. 
like Cal Torres, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson. Was it Nick Benino, maybe? Nick Benino. Benino, Benino, Benino. I am sure we both picked the Preds to be one of our teams to like drop off. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Because Ryan Johansson's not very good. Yeah. And we thought Matt Duchesne was, you know, cursed. (laughs) (laughs) Which would appear. Which would would appear appear. now. Hmm. You've got two ex Ottawa Senator uh, centres on your team. What what are you doing? That's not how you assemble a good team. Who could have foreseen these problems? Who could have have possibly seen that happening? And the curse of getting rid of uh, P.K. Subban. I just want to mention as well, the two goalies as well. Combined save percentage, 8.92. Combined goals against, 3.14. Good thing uh, they don't play both goalies at the same time. That's true. At the time, yeah, extending Pecorino seems like a good idea. Maybe this is now, like we've said, the drop-off is quick. And it's like one season you're fine, the next season you're not. And you just hope that, you know, you just keep going one more, one more, one more, and you're fine. Yeah. But yeah, right now, the whole team is uh, in trouble. The the last thing I'd say on the Predators, so you keep saying they're third from bottom in the uh, in the West. They have played the least amount of games in the West and are still above 500 and have two games in hand on the second wild card. and if they win both of those games in hand, they go above Vancouver. Well, it's not, it's not panic mode. They're third from bottom. It's all lifts, That's because the all, middle's all, so close. It's all lifts, buts, and maybes, Will. The point of this, though, the point of this whole thing, though, was... I mean, I know the answer already, but it's interesting that the Leafs and the Flames hit the skids... And that's all the media's talking about. Yeah, I just stumbled onto this Nashville news <laughs> and no one's talking about it. You've made, no, you've made the great discovery. Someone, someone yeah. get Elliot Friedman on the phone. He needs to hear about this. <laughs> I think NHL history girl, history girl Jen has got a rival for her Indiana Jones moniker because <laughs> I've just uncovered this absolute treasure of information. <laughs> you're, you're more modern day uh, fact, so you're like a, like a Poirot, but for... <laughs> Yeah, but for the standings, hang on a second. If I look under this last ten column, it shows me. (laughs) But it's interesting though. A team that everyone thought was going to be there or thereabouts again at the end of the year, they they win one out of eight, and no news, no news about it at all. Yeah, it's 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 very curious, very very curious. But maybe they're all maybe they're all glass half full reporters like you will. I don't know if I'd necessarily uh, brand myself with that sort of brush. Matt Calvert. Let's quickly discuss this. Fucking hell. Here's Patterson with a shot. Calvert with a save. I think he got it off the helmet and he is down. Here's Zedler. Play continues with Calvert down in the offensive zone. Miller works it across. There's a snapshot. They score. to go and attend to him. Never like to see that. But for the Canucks, they just stayed focused and continued to make the play. Calvert was down for an extended period of time. All right, who's to blame? The refs, the players, play safety, the NHL in general, the culture. How about it, Will? What do you think? <laughs> it's it's the refs and the players. Obviously, the the NHL like uh, at, at fault in not making the rules clearer uh, for not responding to when this has happened previously, a la Zach Wierenski a couple of years ago. But yeah. those who had the chance to enact change, enact, you know, act in the heat at the moment, were the refs and 
nobody's saying enough, the Vancouver Canucks players who continued to carry on and play and score that goal. They could have... I'll, I'll bring you back to footy again. Play, I know what you're going to say. Play goes down injured, you kick it into touch, don't you? Yeah. You hoof it down the other end of the park and there's like a gen, gentleman's agreement that you, the goalie sends it back the other way so the team who had possession initially get their possession back but the injured player gets treated and there's no sort of disadvantage to the team for having a player that's gone down injured. In what world are you saying to me that you know the Canucks couldn't have played it up into the netting and sacrificed oh my a face-off God. outside of the offensive zone for Matt Calvert's obvious, obvious Dude. need? Or even just a floater of a shot directly at the goalie that you could cover and then you still get your, your offensive zone draw and then Matt, Matt Calvert gets the the attention that he needs like obviously the ref should have stopped it but the buck doesn't stop with them anyone who defends the Canucks by saying oh yo the, you play to the whistle like don't be don't be a moron don't be an he's just bleeding from his head from his head and you you think that's okay to just carry on and there's no way in hell that they don't notice Calvert down on the ground which yeah just see Patterson he just kind of he was just kept looking down, like, "What do you want me to do here? Should like, should I do something? Should I stop?" Like, he he was the only one who seemed to kind of notice what was going on and have any real concern. And I'm glad that Peterson had some concern, but in some ways, that's that's worse. He's yeah. acknowledged what's gone on. It doesn't take the entire team by committee to stop skating. You just need one player to stop. Say, so, right, that's that. We're not we're not doing it. Now, well, I'm not saying that we've created some kind of cult here and that we've formed a hive mind, but I swear to God, I wrote down on my notes, why doesn't the NHL have a drop ball type situation? Yeah. <laughs> Where the, it's, yeah, well, they, they, it they do. Sense. They do. It's called a face-off. <laughs> well, no, that's different though, because you can lose control of the face-off. Because in a drop ball, you give possession back to the other team immediately. Mm. Well, I suppose, yeah, I suppose because the face-off's too close. I feel as though, though, that how about this, right? The Canucks just pick up possession from the Avs' blue line. The puck gets placed in the middle of the Avs' blue line, five on four, whatever it is, four, you know, five on five, whatever, and you just pick up possession from there. So you're in the offensive zone, but you're not super close to the goal. So you have a chance to at least start something. As, as, how about that? As nice an idea as that is, Dan, like, nah. <laughs> they've injured that. They've injured Matt Calvert. Not, not on purpose. Yeah, not to say there should be any penalties or whatever, but give, give over. You know yeah, but if I mean? you're like... giving, if you're giving up, if right, if if you injure a player and you give up the puck, you just give it to the goalie to ice it or whatever. It's unfair then if you've given up the puck to then lose the puck from a face-off. You should then learn. You should at least have the chance to get the puck back immediately for free. If you're choosing to give it up from good sportsmanship, yeah, I get what you mean. Then, surely, because then nobody would give it. Because then you'd be where you are now. Nobody would give it up. Well, but, you wouldn't give it up, would you? Yeah, I know what you mean. I'd. You'd keep playing because you're not. Gonna, I'm not going to risk losing the puck in a face-off. If it's like a because it now becomes like a five on. Or if it's if you're on a power play, it becomes a five on three. You're like, well, five on three is way better better chance of scoring than a five on four. I'm not going to lend. I'm not going to let them get a man back on the ice. And then lose the puck from a from a face off. Yeah, like I I don't know what the what the solution is for for that. It's mine. I've just I've just told you it's mine. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm choosing to not agree with that as the solution. 
Okay. But like that, that's a bigger picture thing anyway. Like the Matt Calvert situation, that's you know the the NHL needing to rectify the rules and and the clarity around that. Like in this particular moment, the Canucks should have swallowed the swallowed the pride or whatever, and realised right as a human being bleeding out of arguably the most important region of his body right there in front of me, and uh, I've valued the uh, result in a a rather ultimately meaningless hockey game is more important than that human safety and it's disgusting speaking of Canucks uh, Jason Garrison I don't know if you saw this the former Canucks D-man is suing his former financial advisor what uh, (laughs) Mr and Mrs Johnson it's uh, uh, Mr Richard Jones is being sued by Jason Garrison who is alleging that he sold him a series of unsuitable investment vehicles and insurance policies which ended up costing him more than his entire $27.6 million six-year NHL contract. No way. Yeah. My only... my only I'm not going to get into the like the, the whole particulars about it because there's a huge article about this out there that if anyone wants to read it, they can. But this is just more... You don't realise the perils of being rich in that the second you get money, and this is something that's just normal people we don't get or will never get, is that... The second you get money, the vultures start circling. And any of them get a whiff of any kind of spare cash you have, they will immediately come to you and be like, oh, I've got this idea, I've got this idea, how about this investment? Because there are shysters out there who, I'm not saying for the sake of legal course, I'm not saying Mr. Jones is a shyster, obviously, but there are shysters out there who want to take advantage of people the second you get any kind of cash or any kind of spare money. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, not knowing the situation perfectly, saying he sold him bad investments like isn't that the whole point of investments like it's a bit of a gamble or is it well yeah but it's it's okay there is also a couple of other things is that it's also alleged that rich jones copied jason garrison's signature oh, onto some documents oh, there you go there you and go. and modified other documents after garrison had signed them okay yeah that's that's worth being sued for rather than just uh... yeah <laughs> yeah but again, it's the idea is as well is that if I sell you an investment for a million dollars and I tell you it's going to make you five million, but I know it's bad, well then you can sue me, it, you because I'm giving you financial advice. That's what you know. That's what Garrison's saying. He's telling me these are good investments and I won't lose X, Y, or Z. And instead, it ends up costing him even more than he ever thought. Yeah. Investment is the idea is it's it's a risk. But if you're being sold it, and the risk is different to what you're being sold, then yeah, that is obviously. You know, something you can be sued for. Well, surely, surely it's Garrison's fault for having poor judgment. Maybe the judge will say that to him in the court case. Yeah, like uh, it's not. What's what's the guy's name? John. Richard Jones. Richard Jones. It's not Richard Jones's fault that Jason Garrison believed that he's good at his job. Dude, that's an insane thing to say. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the forging of the signatures is is absolutely ridiculous, and yeah, he should be sued for that, but. Well, guy says, yeah, this one's probably good, and that's not not Richard Jones's fault. It's not like he shorted the investment or something. Just for example, right? If I come to you and say, "Can you lend me five grand?" and you say, "Well, no, I haven't. I haven't got that kind of money." I'm like, "Dude, honestly, I've got all this paperwork. It's fine, and it's all bollocks." Like, if I provide you with tons and tons and tons of paperwork, and you read through it and look at it, and you're like, "Oh my god, this is actually really this is actually a really good idea. I can make twelve grand back next year. That's worth it." And then I just do one with the money. 
You can't be like, <laughs> oh, you got me. That's not, that's not what's happened what a, what a fool I was. What a maroon. That's not what's, that's not what's happened here. That's like me going to you, or you, you going to me and saying, oh, do you want to paint me house? Yeah, all right. So I'll, I'll pay you for it. All right, then. I've got no experience painting my house. It's not my fault that you've asked me to paint your house, and then if I do a bad job, you say, oh, you've done a crap job there, is it? No, 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 hang on, hang on. No, Richard, Richard Jones is a financial advisor. Yeah. He's not just some dude off the street. Those are people you're meant to trust with money. That's why they're financial advisors. Yeah, they advise to, you on like, money. There's just like any job, there's good financial advisors and then there's bad ones. And it would appear that Richard Jones is unfortunately not a particularly skilled financial advisor. Get out, dude. There's an insane take. All right, all right then. In this situation, who's the Ferrari? Who's the tank of piss? And who's the grand piano? I don't know if it's a point. Um, the tank of piss has to all of, has to be all of Garrison's money. No, no, no. The Ferrari's the money. <laughs> the Ferrari's the money. <laughs> Richard, uh, Richard Jones is the piss. Uh, allegedly. Allegedly. It's allegedly piss. And, and the... The, the grand piano is Jason Garrison. No, the the investments maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but, I fucking uh, love the Ferrari no, no, grand no, no, piano no. tank of piss no, analogy. So, so, oh my god! Right, the the Ferrari is is Garrison's estate, yeah, for his money. <laughs> Richard Jones <laughs> works at the Quick Fit slash petrol station, <laughs> and he's filling up the tank with the piss. And saying, yeah, premium unleaded, mate, don't worry about it. And he's chucked this grand piano <laughs> on top of this Ferrari. He's like, oh, don't worry, mate, it's like a turbo booster. <laughs> and then Jason Jason Garrison's driven away. He's like, this is, you've ruined my car. So, oh, sorry, mate, I don't... I've, I, I run the lowest rated garage in all of Vancouver, British Columbia. <laughs> I like... What I love about this is, is that you think Jason Garrison is going around vetting every single financial advisor. Well, you like, should. Why? Like, I'm going to trust this geezer with millions of dollars. Like, you're not even going to check out like a Yelp review of him. It, how do you know he didn't? And this guy, allegedly, may have given him all these bullshit documents that don't prove anything, but they look legit and look real. Like, that's the point. It is, to an extent, Jason Garrison's fault for not checking out that Richard Jones is any good at his job. I like I like at the start of this you came out with of course I don't know all the facts and now you're like Jason Garrison's a fucking idiot isn't he? <laughs> I think Richard Jones is a real victim of this <laughs> slander by Jason Garrison. He should count as suit. That's what he should be doing. He should for well, if only if only Jason Garrison had any money left. <laughs> <laughs> You can't. He's you flitted it all the way on piss-filled Ferraris. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a... a sad, a sad end for Corey Schneider, who was placed on waivers this week. With let's be honest, no chance of anyone picking him up due to his salary and his dire performance the past couple of years. Which is weird because at one point he was a very, very good goalie. Well, yeah, Corey, Corey um, Schneider is is a Ferrari who turned into. A grand piano full of piss. This season as well, 0-4-1, 852 save percentage, 459 goals against. It's a as we talk, he has a 918 career save percentage. And that's even being on some pretty shitty teams. And having um, like three bad years in a row? 
It's... I honestly think, you know, the thing. I honestly think he came back from his injury too soon. I think he, um, or maybe it was injury, obviously that you know the injury that just did him in, and that you know he never fully recovered from it and just tried to keep going. But yeah. it can happen. Like Schneider's not, he's not a spring chicken anymore, is he? No, not at all. Not a thing. He's thirty-three. I want to say. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll believe you there. Happens to to skaters. This can can happen to goalies. Like it's just how it is, isn't it? He's yeah, thirty-three. He's old enough to be bad. <laughs> so there you go. Well done, Corey. That's it. You've earned the right to be terrible. Congratulations. Don't worry, nobody's going to be too angry at you. How long has he got? How long has he got left on his deal? Yeah, two years. Yeah, this year and then another two years after this. I smell a buyout. Consider he's got. Consider he's got a full no trade as well. Ooh, that's rough. Where's he six mil? Yeah, yeah, six mil. So a buyout would be four years at three mil, which is not too bad, really, is it? Yeah, I suppose. Bearable. Still not great though. Not ideal. Not ideal. So while he's down in the AHL, you get a million knocked off your cap, don't you? Yes, that's what I thought it was. I think contracts under a million are just wiped completely, and anything above that just has a million deducted from it. Yeah, so you're still making a two mil saving against the cap for two years at least. We yeah, will see. He's going to get bought out there, won't he? No one's going no to pick him up, are they? No. Are they, heck? Last thing, as always, man versus eight-year-old Will. Hey, Will, you schmuck. You're going to get roasted by an eight-year-old, you fool. Here's the thing. Um, okay, the thing is, right. I like this. It's going. only a game. It's only a game, you know. Um, it's it's not like anyone's keeping scores. So with that, here are the scores. <laughs> Specifically, the whole point of the game is keeping keeping scores and predicting scores. Score. score I'm just trying game. to... I'm just trying to find a way to, to soften this blow, Will. And I'm glad I put all of this on tape last week because my daughter went five for five last week. No. Dude, she picked fucking Columbus to beat the Blues and she picked the Devils to beat the Penguins. And it's all on record. It's not on. She went five for five. That's So how many, how many back am I now? Because like, didn't I say if I get ten back, then I'm retiring? Yeah, you said if, yeah, if you get to ten, it's mercy rule. So it's fine, it's only, it's only six. But that's not the point. That's, that's six is all right. Six is surmountable. Yeah, that's it's it's like early it's early days. Not well. The scores don't even matter after Christmas. We all know that. So <laughs> unless, unless you get uh, you can't win it in November, Dan. But you can sure as hell lose it in November. <laughs> but, but you can lose it. Oh bloody hell! All right, here's this week's games: Panthers, Ducks. Panthers. Yeah, she chose the Panthers because they can bite the Ducks. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Blackhawks, Lightning. Ooh, hawks. Okay, she chose the lightning because they can strike them and flash them. Flat. Excuse me, George. Coyotes, Leafs. Uh, well, Leafs is obviously the Leafs. That's tonight, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. She chose Leafs because they can get in the Coyotes' eyes. <laughs> See, I, do, I feel like there's not sort of consistent logic being applied to all of it. You know. What for my eight-year-old daughter? No, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, no, no, not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just, just saying the facts. That's true. Flyers, flames, flyers, flames, flame, flyers, uh, fl- flyers. I think. Okay, she chose the flames as they can burn them. But okay. Them. I'm glad that she's got no uh, explanation for what a flyer is. Just them. <laughs> no, no. That's probably why she picked the flames. And then Canadians, Rangers. Uh, Canadians. Okay, and she picked the Rangers because she likes the name more. 
which may which may have been the first eight-year-old choice she's made yet. There we go. Thank you, folks, for listening this week. Thank you to Ken for being on the show. Will, any last words? Uh, like, rate, and subscribe. Take care, folks. We'll see you later. Peace. Peace.